Originals. Hello, I'm Joey Barton and welcome to the bonus edition of the Edge podcast, exclusive to you Deezer subscribers. In this week's episode, I spoke to Dr. Kevin Dutton, who's a professor of psychology at Oxford University. We didn't have time to fit everything into the main show, so here's a little extra something just for you. Working at Oxford University in the psychological department, um, and as people will have picked up, you don't quite have that. I've been and spoke at Oxford. You don't quite have the same tone as them. So how did you get into this? How did you get into this field? It's funny, really, Joe. You know, it's true. I don't, you know, I don't, it's not the stereotypical Oxford voice, uh, you know, that, that you that you hear. But, I mean, I, I grew up in London. My, my dad, so I came from a very working class family. My dad, you know, he, as I always say, he, he was like Del Boy. He, he even looked like Del Boy. He could, he, he could sell, you know, I always say he could sell shaving cream to the Taliban. He could sell anything to any, any, anybody. So what, what was your dad's profession? He was a market trader, not on a stock market, but on the streets. <laughs> he was, he would, he literally, he would, he was like, Del Boy, he would sell all kinds of stuff to anyone. So he had a stall, yeah. He had a stall, and he was he was he was all over London, and 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 I would often help him on the stall on a Saturday what morning. What did he sell? Uh, whatever was it? He, yeah, exactly. He would sell anything from you know just like alarm clocks. He would sell statues. He would sell underwear. He would sell all kinds of stuff. You know anything he could get his hands on. And Sounds like a right character. He was, he was, and you know, I, I, in the early days, you know, when I was a kid and, and growing up, I used to, I used to help him, you know, on the stall, and and you know, I, I'll give you an example of the kind of thing. I mean, I always say that, you know, my, my dad was very high on what I call the psychopathic spectrum. So I think that's also something your listeners might want to get their head around. The idea of being a psychopath or not a psychopath is, yeah, we we all know a psychopath when we see one, especially a professional like me. You know, you can kind of tell, but there's a spectrum along which each of us have our place. So, you know, just like height or weight or intelligence, we're all on it somewhere. Some are very high on the spectrum, some are very low. My old man is very, very high. And I, I'll give an example of, of, of the kind of thing. I always remember one, one, I must have been about, what, nine or ten, and it was on a Saturday, I think, and I'd been helping him on the stall. And uh, uh, he took me out for an Indian, Indian meal up the East End, you know, lots of restaurants up there. He took me out for an Indian dinner and uh, I always remember him, uh, just he's about to pay the bill, he suddenly turns around to me and he says, Kev, he says, if there's one thing I want you to remember in life, son, it's this. Persuasion isn't about getting people to do what they don't want to do. It's about giving them a reason to do what they do want to do. So watch and learn. So with that, he 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 gets his spoon and he tinkles it against his glass right and the entire restaurant falls silent and he gets to his feet and he says right i'd just like to thank everyone for coming now i know that some of you have come just around the corner and some of you have come from a little bit further afield but uh, I, I want you to know that you're all very welcome here uh and it's, it's very much appreciated oh and there's a pub across the road called the king's arms whatever it was um you know at which we're hosting a little drinks reception after this it'd be great to see you all there is this a room of strangers? Yeah, absolutely. So all of a sudden we've got a restaurant full of people who've never seen us before, never seen each other before, all applauding wildly, right? Because none of them want to be seen as a gatecrasher to the party, right? So anyway, as we leave, remember, I'm only about nine or ten. I, I, I can't resist it. So I say, uh, I say, Dad, we're not really going to the pub, are we? And he puts his arm around me. I'll never forget this, Joe. And he goes, no, son, of course we're not. But let me tell you something. That lot in the restaurant are, and my mate Malcolm, he's just taken over as landlord. He'll make a few quid tonight. And he just saunters off without a care in the world, without batting an eye. Can you imagine how much 
money I might, I won't say you, you might well do it, but, but how much money I might have to pay the majority of your listeners out there to even attempt or even think about attempting a stunt like that. But that was the kind of thing he did. He had no shame. He had no remorse. I never once saw him embarrassed. Um, he was, nothing got him down, nothing bothered him, no sense of consequences at all. He wasn't a violent man, but then again, you know, you don't need to necessarily be violent to be a psychopath, as we know from those characteristics we talked about earlier. Aggression and violence is something else. Yeah, it's another layer. A- absolutely right. So, but, but that's how I kind of got into it. And I think, you know, looking at him on the stall, dealing with people in, in, in market stalls around London, you know, you can't get psychology more applied than that. You know, you can do psychology in the labs. You can look at all your peer-reviewed journals. You can look at it in all the books. But when you see it like that in everyday life, the art of persuasion influence, I think it made a lasting impression on me. And, and so after that, you want to delve into... Was you, did you play sports? Was you a sportsman as a kid? I was, yeah, I was um, I was a runner. So not not a, not a great runner. I mean, I've run a few marathons and all that. So I'm a, I'm a pretty decent distance runner. All but, right. um, but yeah, in terms... Of that, that, that I played rugby at school and all that, you know, but... That, so you're a people watcher, you like watching people yeah. and you want to know what's going on, the inner work and so on and so forth. So how did so, you end up a doctor and how did you end up at Oxford? Well, quite it was a prestigious it, university to end up at. Well, it was funny, actually. So, um, I mean, actually, I got a scholarship at school to um, uh, to study. I, I did a Oxford scholarship exam, got a study, and you get two E grades, which is if, if you pass their little test and, and, and um, you know, it's, a, it's an exam, but it's not a little test, it's a three-hour exam. And if they like you, then you, you get an unconditional offer. Um, and I got all that, uh, but unfortunately what I did, I turned up, I got one of the d- days of the exams wrong and I turned up late and that was it. So I ended up, actually I ended up, you know, blowing everything at school and, you know, ended up with, with, with nothing. So I left school and, um, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So I thought, well, you know, I'll help the old man out. I'll do a bit of traveling around the world and all this kind of stuff. And so I did that when the money ran out, I did the same thing and did the same kind of traveling around the world. And eventually when I reached the age of, I think it was about 24 ish, I thought, well, I can't keep doing this. I got an odd, I got a real dead end job at a, at a factory and uh, it was just like starting at four in the morning. And, you know, it was actually in a plastics factory. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, and I thought I can't keep doing this. So I thought, right, well, it's time to go back to school. And, you know, so, um, I started at adult education college and I thought, right, let's have a look at the syllabus. Let's have a look at what we can do. And, uh, it was all A levels, wasn't it? And I thought, well, I've already got a bit of history with them. So I thought, well, I won't bother with those. Uh, and it, psychology was there and it had diploma, diploma in psychology. And I thought that's letters after your name. That is, that's all right. I can do with that bit of psychology. And, you know, I had no, no clue about psychology in those days. Anyway, I did the, uh, uh, did did the diploma and enjoyed it, found out I was quite good at it. And then one thing led to another and I did my degree and then ended up, you know, as I say, lecturing in, in um, at university. And then I ended up writing a book, which was funny enough, not on psychopaths at all. It was a book on persuasion. That was the very first book. What was, what's the name of that? That's called Flipnosis, like hypnosis, but Flipnosis. So the art of split second persuasion. Well, that's but it sounds like it's based on your dad and him. Just, it was, yeah. it was, Joe. Yeah, it was absolutely. And, you know, people often, you know, I, I didn't realise it at the time, but people often say, you know, well, where did the inspiration come? And it's only recently, I think, well, it's all come from me, old man, really. Mm. And, you know, that book was about, you know, most people think of persuasion as, a, as, 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 as you know, due process, negotiation, trial and error, all that kind of thing. But, but actually, I started realising that there is a kind of persuasion out there which uh, can work very, very quickly, which is instantaneous. Um, and I thought, well, if I sample a load, I'll give you an example. If I sample a load of, ex- of illustrations of persuasion like that, 
and I and I do something called a factor analysis on it, which is looking down at boiling down what is the DNA of this uh, really militant strain of influence. Then possibly what we can do is we can we we can get like the ingredients of what what you might call killer persuasion, persuasion that don't just turn the tables; it, it kicks them over. And so that's what that like book was about. Madoff, that kind of Bernie yeah, exa- Madoff. Yeah, exactly thing, right. And, and so what I'd done was actually, incidentally, for the for, for 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 about nine months to a year, I I hung out with some of the world's top con artists, both in the UK and and across the pond in the US. And I looked at these evil Fo- all football managers. Yeah, well, can't. I think I've worked with a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know some now, mate. I certainly know some now. But um, I mean, I'll give you an example. One of my favourite examples of it, um, you know, a lot of your listeners probably know that parts of London were very badly bombed during the Second World War by the German Luftwaffe. And one area especially badly hit was the East End. So one morning after a particularly bad night before, uh, Whitechapel High Street was in ruins, as you might have expected, was the, uh, you know, the, the local inhabitants, the spirit of the local inhabitants. Not so. On the door of probably one of the only buildings left standing, a tiny corner grocery shop, a 75-year-old woman, the proprietress, posted a note consisting of just 12 simple words that... Uh, not only regalvanised the spirit of the East End, but dragged an entire capital city up from its knees once, once word got around. And, and that, that simple note read as follows, if you think this is bad, you should see our Berlin branch, right? And that simple note, 12 words, completely regalvanised the spirit of, of that East End. And I thought, this kind of instantaneous kind of motivation, persuasion, there's something in it. And it was a kind of persuasion which hadn't been hadn't been studied at the time. So that was the book which I which I started off writing and which came out. And in that book was a paragraph on psychopaths because I'd been hanging out with the world's top con artists. And I realised that these people they weren't violent, but they they had not a shred of remorse. They 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 couldn't give a damn about the consequences of their actions. And I thought, well, a lot of these guys are very very psychopathic, very high on the psychopathic spectrum. Um, and there was a chapter in there called Natural Born Persuaders, which was all about how psychopaths are much better persuaders than the rest of us. Well, I'd seen the film, I don't want to digress on you here, but I'd seen the film uh, Catch Me If You Can, yeah, Frank, Leonardo DiCaprio. Frank, Frank Abagnale, yeah, that's right. And I was like, yeah. very charming, like, lovely Absolutely guy, but right. the stuff he pulled yeah. off, it was like, and would he would be a classic... Absolutely. Now works for the FBI, of course, yeah. uh, as, a, as a fraud prevention Poker guy. Poker turn a- gamekeeper, a- yeah. A- absolutely right. But incredibly yeah, smart. Completely and... calm, completely focused under pressure. I mean, you can, if you, you can imagine having that kind of mentality in a penalty shootout, for instance, okay? The idea of just, just focusing on what you're doing. Not giving a damn under, you know, all those kinds of threats you might have stuck missing. or whatever. Exactly right, yeah. Deezer. Deezer. Originals.